interest in the following audio recording produced by Chesterton House, a center for Christian studies at Cornell University. Support for Chesterton House comes entirely from listeners like you, and we invite you to help us continue making the recordings of past lectures available at no cost through a donation to the ministry. You can find additional resources and make a donation at www.chestertonhouse.org. This audio recording is copyrighted and unauthorized duplication is prohibited. Questions, answers, refutations, other points of view, and then at 11 o'clock I'm supposed to hand the podium over to Carl. Bob. The the um, I got to challenge your statement. It's not when Christ was begotten; it's that Christ is begotten. One of the great uh, brief formulations of the Arian heresy was: there was a time when he was not. And the, the instinctive Christian reaction to say, no, there never was a time when Jesus was not. Okay. As I understand it, th- this, this was a discussion that went from the mid-2nd century right into the 4th and 5th century, the, 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 the great creative, sometimes partly heretical origin of Alexandria, worked real hard on this. Um, my understanding was that begotten was used as a phrase first because it came directly from the New Testament. Then philosophically and theologically, it was used to explain the relationship of Father and Son within the Trinity. So the Father is the source of life, the source of all good, the source of divinity. The Father, the Son is the expression of the source of the goodness and the divinity that is, is in the Father. It's, it's a word not to be taken temporally, but to be taken as a statement about relationships. Uh, Augustine's On the Trinity is very good on this, and I've tried to read it and gotten bogged down. <laughs> um, actually, I think Karl Barth's quite good on this in the, in the 20th century theology. That's, a, that's as good as I can do. Yes? Why no creeds for the last 1,500 years? Why no creeds for the last 1,500 years? But, but of course, there are many of them. <laughs> yes. Right, right. Yes, why no creeds for the last 1,500 years? The, the, as, as some of you will know, the Orthodox Church has is a creedal church but talks about the pronouncements of the first seven ecumenical councils. Um, I think in both Catholicism and Orthodoxy, there is, a, there is a sense that after the division of Eastern and Western Christianity took place in the 11th century, it was very difficult to have an ecumenical council. At Nicaea and then Constantinople in 381 and Chalcedon in 451, it's not true that the whole church was in fact fully represented. But there were, at all of these councils, bishops from what was modern-day France into modern-day Syria, North Africa. These were genuinely councils of the whole church. After the division in 1054, there, there, there have never been. Uh, the, the, the Pope and the Patriarch have only just met and sort of kissed and made up in the last 20 years. But of course, by that time, we came on the scene. Protestants came. I came on the scene. And once, once the Protestant Reformation took place, then it took uh, 450 years for Catholics and Protestants even to say hello to each other on the street without condemning the other as, as somehow of, of Satan. 
My own sense is that many of the uh, creeds and catechisms, confessions written by the individual Christian churches have actually help out in the, in the same same regard. Um, I'm a Presbyterian who thinks that the Westminster Confession is not perfect, but that some of the statements about how God relates to the to, to the world of, <clears throat> of human choice actually have some very positive things to say for for uh, academics who are concerned about issues of human free will, uh, uh, issues about how God is sovereign over events. But Baptists or, or Mennonites, Catholics are not going to share the sense that you need to pay careful, give close attention to the uh, Westminster Confession. Anabaptists, Mennonites have, have the, the, the Schleitheim Confession, the Confession of Dortrick. In the 17th century, there's a very positive, a very strong statement about the peacemaking work of Christ. But that's not going to be accepted by those who are uh, not, not of their communion. So I think functionally, uh, the, the, the lack of, a, of an ecumenical possibility has, has played a, a, a reason. And then I think maybe I would say also that um, in some ways, at least for the Western world, and it's an open question now for the non-Western world, but at least for the Western world, these three statements really did the foundational work. And many people had other things to do <laughs> and were willing to uh, let, let these be foundational statements. Yes? Uh, I recently became familiar with the Messiah Creed. Yeah. I'm curious To, yeah. But it's, also, it's, it's very creative right. and innovative in its own sort of cultural context. And I have no idea what's going on. The Messiah Creed that Carl refers to, see if I can remember, there are some really wonderful lines. Um, there's something about the hyenas in it. Yeah. Where the, <laughs> that's it, that's it. So that, so that in, in Kenyan culture, Messiah culture, uh, the hyenas, one of the things they do is to find dead people, apparently eat them, I suppose, but the hyenas did not touch. And then I think there's something, isn't there Jesus always being on pilgrimage? Or? On safari. On safari, on safari, that's it, right, right. Uh, um, the, the, the nicest uh, presentation of the short history of the Messiah Creed is in this three-volume set I mentioned just in passing that Yaroslav Pelikan edited called Credo, Credo, which is a... Uh, very big compilation of Christian statements of faith. The last half of the last volume is mostly uh, non-Western recent statements of faith. In the modern world, statements of faith, confessions, catechisms sometimes have been very important for individual parts of of the Christian church. Uh, They tend, however, always to come back to the basic statement of Christian teaching. So the Messiah Creed, which is an adaptation of the Apostles' Creed, is a brief and succinct statement of Christianity for the Messiah in their context after World War II. Not necessarily for the burgeoning house churches of China. Not necessarily for the charismatic movements of Latin America. Um, I would recommend, actually, the 
not necessarily purchasing because very expensive books, but getting hold of the Credo volumes by Pelican and, and reading some of these. They're, 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 they're edifying experiences. But the, the, the recently written statements are not going to be fully expressive of the same depth and uh, the same almost universal acceptance as, as these ancient ancient creeds. Quick question. I think you're maybe getting at a difference between uh, what a creed is and what a statement of faith yeah. is. Yeah. And, and Many, yes, a good point. The difference between creeds and statement of faith. I, I would say that most, all maybe, of the truly helpful statements of faith, for particular Christian communions, for churches, for Christian institutions, can somehow be rooted in these statements. These are foundational. That's the kind of first story.